Hello, everyone. Um, today we have a very special guest in our show. He is uh, Tim Freck. He lives in Glastonbury in uh, the United Kingdom. And uh, he is a pioneering philosopher whose best selling books and talks and life changing events have touched the hearts and minds of millions of people around the world. He is one of the 100 most spiritually influential living people on the 2020 Watkins Magazine list. And um, I've, I've been able to uh, read some uh, books and uh, also uh, uh, see some talks and everything. And it's just amazing, oh, his charisma and the way he loves and, and how he transmits all this love for the subjects he uh, embraces. So we are very happy to have him here today. Uh, it is uh, eight, oh, close to 8, no, it is close to 8 a.m. where I am. It is close to 2 p.m. where he is. And so uh, I'm, I'm just very glad and happy that you've accepted this interview, Tim. And um, uh, starting to welcome you to this uh, talk, I want to ask you, what were those live events that changed something in your life to maybe direct you to where you are right now? Um, so those, those, those really seminal moments when things shift? Yeah. Um, well, there's been a lot of them. I'm, you know, that's part of being old. Uh, you just think, oh, there's been quite a few now. Um, but the, the earliest one started when I was a boy. Um, about 12 years old, and uh, I found life profoundly mysterious, and it felt like all the grown-ups were in some sort of, were asleep in some way, and that they, they didn't seem to notice what I could notice, which was that the whole existence felt like one big question, and that it felt to me, if there's, if there's, such, a, if there's such a big question, there must be such a big answer to what is this, and who am I, and what should I do with it, and all of them. Uh, and then one day, just sitting on a hill, not far from where I live now, actually, um, looking at the little town, it wasn't this town, but it was a nearby one, uh, something happened for the first time. And I, I would now, at the time, I had no idea what it was. I'd now call it being deep awake. So just that, the, the, the thing that captures it the most for me is this. It's like, I'm this, and then suddenly I'm seeing in a whole new way. Um, and probably, uh, you know, my, my point of reference for that, I'd grown up, I'd been to church and all the rest of it was, oh, this is God. And the experience was one of extraordinary love, like the whole universe just pulsating with love. And I felt one with that. And that made a, a gigantic impression on me. Um, it didn't last I don't know how long it lasted, to be honest with you, Gloria. It just came and it went. Um, but it was long enough that it, it really made a big impression. And because of my nature, I wrote about it. So I still have some record of it. Um, and then I've spent the, the, the next nearly 50 years um, trying to explore that experience. And then in the latest phase of my life, and two things really, exploring it, coming to understand what it is and what it says about the nature of reality and how to share it with other people because it, it feels such an important thing to, to share. And what have you found so far about it? <laughs> uh, 
Well, I think the first thing which is really important to me is that that experience of being deep awake, of waking up, is natural. I feel very blessed because I didn't have it in a church. I didn't have it in a mosque or I wasn't meditating. I wasn't reading somebody's book. Or I was just on a hill as a kid. So there's always been this sense for me that this is something human. And what I found later when I came to study and then write a lot of books on all of the spiritual traditions of the world was that I started looking and thinking, they're all very different, but at their mystical heart, it seems to be individuals like me who've had a similar human experience and then interpret it through the eyes of their own culture. So like all of us, you can only think with the ideas that you've been given by your culture or you've come across. So if you're in a culture which has a particular idea, like when it happened to me the first time, I'd come up through the Church of England that was my major reference point. So my point was, ah, this is God. If I'd been in India, I might've been, oh, this is Buddha nature. Um, but that, and what I could do later is I learned all these different languages as starting going, oh, there is a commonality here. A bit like if you travel the world, what, what people think of as food is very, very different depending on the different cultures, but everyone has food. And it's a bit, I feel a bit like that. Like these are, primal human experiences which people have been exploring for a very long time so the first thing for me was to see their commonality and to really understand what is this what often gets called a perennial philosophy something which is always there and then having written books on all of these different spiritual traditions as i probably up 15 years ago now i started to to enter a new phase of of my journey which then became, so each of these um, individuals who jumps out for me, whether it's Bodhidharma with Zen or Rumi with the Sufi tradition or the Balazdez with the Gnostics, whoever it is, what they've done, which has interested me, is they've taken what they've been given and recreated it for their own time. So it began to dawn on me that really, if I really wanted to... Um, get this then i needed to do that i needed to go how do we need to recreate spirituality how do we how do we need to take the perennial truths and recast them in a new way which is not just appropriate for our time so we can experience it but also in tune with the knowledge we now have which our our ancestors didn't have so this last period has been around okay we need a new form of spirituality now what what what's it going to look like well this is amazing now what, what comes to mind when you share your experience, which is amazing, these kinds of experiences don't happen to the majority. I mean, there are a few people that are blessed to have experiences like this since they were little, so they can, you know, move forward in life with a focus. Uh, but these kinds of experiences don't happen to, to the vast majority. And, and so uh, would you consider, or what, what do you think makes the difference uh, in, in who gets this experience? Is this a karma dharma thing? Yeah. Um, or or how, how do you think about that? Well, I, the honest truth is I don't know. Um, I do know that for me, uh, it, had all, it, it had always, something had always been there. 
there was an in, in kind of crazy youthful confidence that I would find the answers I was looking for. And although I'm still looking and it's still moving, it has happened. Um, and I also found that it's a shared thing. So that, so that right from a, as, a, as a kind of teenager, I found that if I put my attention here, if I opened myself up to this experience, it would happen. I couldn't control it. Um, it's more familiar now, so it's m more accessible now, but then it would, you know, it would just suddenly happen and it would be a big event. Um, but often it would happen also to any, whoever I was with and we go into it together. And that was always interesting. There was something. So what I've done since then, when I run these events called Deep Awakenings um, all around the world, wherever I'm invited, um, is to get people together and get them to connect in that way and see if we can bring it about together. And it's pretty damn successful. So that the, it now feels like, look, these, this experience, which is marked out by, I would say, uh, communion or oneness, deep feeling of connection, and this, uh, what I call big love, com compassion, this all embracing, which, which, which is really how the connection feels. Um, it's not very far away. And if you can create the right environment and you enter into it, especially with others, over a weekend, you can enter into that experience. And when you do, you can't miss it. I mean, it's like, you know, I remember a gentleman always jumps out at me saying at one of these retreats, going, Tim, 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 but if I have this experience, well, I know I've had the experience. <laughs> and my feeling was, you won't miss it. You, you won't possibly, possibly miss it because the love is so visceral you can feel it in every cell in your body. And that's what I'm looking to, on the experiential side of what I do, that's what I'm looking for people to, to have that experience and to, to have that gnosis, that knowledge, that knowing. Now, this is amazing that you can create this as an experiential situation for people. And, you know, the, the oneness that you mentioned, the experience of oneness, do you think it has, like, different layers or different levels those who have reached to the experience like you have of deep awakening and oneness and then those who have not had this awakening but when they experience this love they start sort of manifesting a level of uh, understanding of oneness um but not quite get the whole the whole thing do you think it comes in like in layers or is just one experience I think it's a whole, whole collection of experiences. In fact, I'd go so far to say is that everything in life, including awakening, is individual. And everyone is slightly different. It's like, you know, even if you were sitting next door to me here, you would see the world in a slightly different way to, to me. Literally, you're on the other side of the world seeing it from a different perspective. That's what we're like. So my there's a lovely line by Theodotus who was an early Gnostic who just went everyone experiences the gnosis in a way unique to themselves and I, I think that's right so there's, com there's commonalities and you can recognize oh it's a bit like you know did you see that film and you can work out yeah yeah we both saw the film but there's still the, the individual differences and there's still how you interpret it because the experience itself is just given It's like there's the oneness, there's the love, but then what it means, how you got there. So there's a lot of people will interpret it in a certain way and that takes them down a certain road. Often, quite often, I think, takes them down a road that personally I don't 
know that it's a good road to go down. So it's not as straightforward. So, and also I'm not sure for myself, Gloria, it, I'm still like a, I feel like a beginner. I mean, I just, it's new all the time. And I'm constantly having, you know, last year was one of the biggest experiences I've ever had, you know, this whole new thing. And, and, and I'm still mulling that and wondering what that was and how to get back to that or to get familiar with it. So there's levels within levels within levels. I'm a little bit nervous of it being like a ladder because um, it feel, because we're so different. It, it feels like each one of us has our own unique ladder, as it were, to go up. And it, you can't really compare people's ladders, if that makes sense. So each one of us can go deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, and we see it in different ways. But there's not much to be gained by by looking at people and going, oh, you're still there, are you? Well, I've reached here. You know, yeah. It's not quite like that. Uh -huh. It's more, it's richer than that, more complex than that. Now, do, do you think that maybe um, the deeper we go in ourselves and we open up spiritually, the less differences there are in in the experiences that we have? Like, for instance, um, I don't know. Um, for instance, let me... Just something that comes yeah. from the experience of unconditional love. We've been conditioned to believe that unconditional love is what we feel for our kids. That's unconditional and sort of like something like that. Um, yet, uh, like the kind of experience or the kind of love that the awakened ones have experienced is not about, you know, I love my kids and then I punish them or this is unconditional or whatever, how we've been taught about it. And how, you know, we, we've, we've inherited it. That's how it is. We inherit these thoughts and ideas and we'll get into like the religious beliefs that have shaped uh, Christianity and uh, how wrong they have been. And so we have inherited all these ideas that are, are a little more ego-based, but they could have good intentions, but not, not exactly take us to the truth of unconditional love. And so... Uh, unconditional love is more uh, like a state of, of mind, a state of awareness. You awaken to a state of transcendence, right? And uh, when you arrive to that state of transcendence, like, like the enlightened have, though they have been from different traditions or whatever, I'm sure they uh, share a, a, a deeper commonality of understanding uh, that goes beyond our duality. So do you believe like that the deeper you go in, into your spirituality or your, your inner self connected to the oneness, the less differences there are in, the, in, in this in terms of, of the individual experiences? That's such a great question. <laughs> um, I have completely relinquished in my old age the idea of enlightenment. And the idea that anyone's arrived anywhere. And what I see is that certainly when I, for me now, you know, if someone comes to town and they're enlightened, I'm not interested. I'm much more interested in talking to you or, you know, my mum when she was alive. or um, Because I, I think what's happened is that with the breakdown of... Um, western religion that that we it certainly in my milieu we in, we just brought in a lot of indian religion instead and what needs to happen 
with that is the same as we did with Western religion, which is we need to sift it through and go, look, we don't need all of that. This is really good. And the same now has happened for me over the last 20 years with Indian religion. And enlightenment is one of those ideas. It's, an, it's very much an Indian idea. It's the idea that someone's arrived somewhere. And it often comes from this view of spirituality, which is very common, um, which arose around 500 BC, probably the Axel Age, as it's, no, as it's known, um, and has therefore shaped a lot of traditions. And it's quite negative. Um, and the, the, the basic um, idea, and I've, I've you know, gone into it and written about it a lot, although I don't agree with it anymore, the basic idea is um, to reach the oneness, you need to get rid of the separateness. So you've got a separateness, you call it your ego or something, and it's in the way. And if you get rid of that, you become enlightened and then you're one with everything and it's all love. Um, I, I think that what, what disturbs me about that now is the, the way that it casts our humanity. Uh, I feel really sympathetic to our human journey and I don't feel that our individual self is in the way. I think it's the foundation from which we wake up to something bigger. So I now have an, an evolutionary picture rather than an idea that we've fallen into illusion and we need to get out and we've just been all conditioned into illusion and need to get out. It feels to me like actually what's happened is that over a huge length of time, this evolutionary process has gone on, we're in it. So the most natural place for that to start, for love to arise, you know, that there was no love and then love has arisen in the evolutionary process. And in human beings, the most natural place is that you have that with family and your tribe and your friends. And that's a, and that's a, a, a certain level of it. And there is a conditionality which can come with that, whereby if someone breaks the bonds, then that breaks the love and blah, blah, blah. But from that has arisen this new thing. Not instead of that, but it's something bigger than that. So that what, what happens, I think, with, the, with this, what I call the deep awake, is that sense of connection I feel with my kids and my wife and my friends. There's a transpersonal connection. It's not the same. It's like I, I, I don't love everyone personally. I don't know who they are. And I certainly don't like everyone. But there's a, or I don't approve of everyone, let me say it that way. But there's a, a, a deeper connection. And that's by its very nature is unconditional because there's no condition on it. My love for my wife is conditional on the fact that she's my wife. If she turns around and leaves me, that might be different. But my love for her from this place is unconditional because it's simply because she is. And it's equally true of someone who might be really terrible to me. It's just because it is. So I see this evolutionary current which has woken us up. Now, I think anyone who experiences that, there will be a commonality. And, and that was your question. Like, so if, as people grow towards that, I think they recognize it. And there's a kind of a maturing which takes place. Yeah, exactly. But, if, when we, but when we link it to people who were around this word enlightenment, I always get the feeling that if you, if you got together all of the people that claim they're enlightened on the planet and put them in a room together, it would be chaos. I think because, uh, you know, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure that they are, I, I don't know. I, I think something else is going on with a lot of those people, now, to be honest. Well, the, the, one of the things about enlightenment that makes the, that um, at least uh, I have understood of how it is conveyed is that if we reach enlightenment, we don't have to come back to this um, dual Yes. reality in the universe that we probably go somewhere else and my feeling and that's just a feeling is that this is like a fractal uh, 
life, a, a fractal existence in a sense that, okay, possibly they don't have to come here, but I'm sure there are other places where they can continue evolving into different possibilities um, of existence that we are not even aware of because uh, um, there's more to life than what meets the eye, definitely. That is definitely right. So, there you, I mean, the, the whole idea of you know, escaping the wheel. Um, so I'm sorry, you, you mean? Which is, you know, this, this, the wheel of karma or in the, in the, in the Western tradition, it was the wheel of grief. It's the, it's the, Samsara. In the West, the, the sorry? Samsara. Samsara, in, in, yeah, or, or for the Western tradition, it's the, the horoscope. You're, that's the wheel. You're caught yeah. on the wheel and you go around. But, you know, my feeling is, again, this is all part of, everything's evolving, everything. And one of the things about studying the spiritual traditions of the world is you can see them evolving. And this is an idea which comes in at a certain point. And it's part of that idea that the, the body's a bad thing, you're trapped, you've fallen into separateness, this is a dream and an illusion. And part of what I want to do with a new spirituality for the 21st century is go, no, I don't think we need that anymore. I think what's happening here is great. It's mixed and we are mixed, but through it, something is growing. And so this idea of you can, if you, if you, if you withdraw enough, if you get rid of your, if you stop your emotions, if you stop your attachments, if you stop thinking, if you stop everything that makes you human, you can escape the human experience. And my feeling now, although I was very attracted to that in my twenties, is no, that doesn't feel right to me. I mean, the big, the big transition for me was having kids. Because when I, when I had my daughter, it was like, no one was going to tell me not to be attached. I was attached. That was it. That was it. I'm attached. <laughs> and it didn't feel like a bad thing. And, no, and I didn't want, as she was growing up, I didn't want to be telling her, well, don't develop a separate self now. I wanted her to become a separate strong woman. And she is now. She's 20 and she's a separate strong woman. I didn't want her to become egotistical yeah. and think it was all about her. But I did want her to know it was also about her and that she could have her life. And, and so these were things which I'd come across in spirituality a lot. And I began thinking, or, or you know, when, when she went to school, I mean, how many times did I hear over the years, people telling me that thinking was a bad thing. You could just quiet the mind. Everything would be great. Just be here now. And don't think be here now. That's another one. It was like, did, did I want to say to a little girl as she's going to school, you know, now I'm worried about this. They're going to make you think, <laughs> and that's going to stop you being enlightened. It's like no, or be here now. It's like you know I'm there with the, my kids, going stop being here now all the time. <laughs> you know, remember tomorrow. Go and do your homework. You need to be in bed now. Do your teeth. You know all the things that an adult has to do. And so my feeling with all of that was, this there's something wrong with this spirituality because if I if I'm not saying it to my kids, why am I saying it to myself? And where it led me to was this kind of both and approach to spirituality, which went, thinking's great, but don't miss the silence. Or thinking about tomorrow is a really mature thing to do, but don't miss out on now. You can have both of these. And with the separate self, the same. Separate selves, individuals, isn't it great? I love the fact, look, you're so different to me. Wonderful. And don't miss out on the fact that there's one of us mm -hmm. as well but not instead and that's the big shift as well and not instead yes you know what's what's let me let me i'm cold 
<laughs> cold here. It's uh, early in the morning. Yeah. Well, one thing that is coming to mind while you are mentioning all this and, and since the early time we started is um, Taoism and like the Wuchi mm. and how, uh, you know, uh, the Wuchi is the Tao in, in silence and the Tai Chi is the, the Tao in movement. And they are, they are one. And they are in silence and they're, it, it, the one part is in silence, the other one is in movement. And you just um, describe it. Uh, you know, you can be both. You can be yeah. the one, don't miss the silent part and, and don't miss the, the one in movement. So it's like you're, you're an ego based on your personality and, and, and you are a spirit based on your, your silence, your divinity. And we are both. Yes, and, uh, I think that this is a very interesting subject to to tap into because um, spirituality, as everything, has been manipulated uh, uh, in many ways, and I think that the the, the path to your own discovery, you, it's you, it's you, you have to do it and find out in many ways, and bless for those who have had the experiences that uh, take you beyond religion to find that spirituality is innate in our, in our nature. Yes. Uh, and, and, and for those who probably didn't have the experiences, they, they, they depend on, on some sort of religious guidance. Um, but what, what comes to mind when you were talking about this also is in Buddhism, like they are very focused in, in working on the mind. Everything is about the mind. And uh, there is no, uh, no sense of, uh, oh, their idea of reincarnation is totally different from the idea that they have in Hinduism. And, and so, um, you know, I've been thinking about how religions nowadays, now that we're tapping into the religious aspect, um, are undergoing um, a transformation not because of them, but because of the way people are looking into religions. Do you believe that this is that all the movement that is happening nowadays um, on people's awake little awakenings um, in this transition of, of age that you know we are probably in this um, going to the Aquarian age or whatever? different traditions call it, but we are definitely, we cannot deny that we are in a transition of age. Do you think this is, this awakenings that people are undergoing uh, are going to have a deep impact on monotheistic religions or in general in religions and, and that people are definitely going to be empowered into their own spirituality and, and religions little by little are going to fall apart? God, that's such an interesting question. Again, that's a really interesting question. And, and I'm not absolutely sure what I think because they've definitely had a big impact, as you were saying, haven't they? I mean, you know, the, the mere fact that, I don't know, think of someone like uh, Pierre Thierry de Chardin, the, the great um, Catholic evolutionary thinker who, who I think is a real precursor of the future of evolutionary spirituality and, and that I'm exploring. You know, in his own lifetime, he wasn't published. It wasn't very long ago. And now the Pope will quote him. And that's a huge jump. So I think they're all, they're all being impacted. Um, the Dalai Lama has wrestled with trying to 
integrate science and Buddhism and, and so on and so on. So, but in the long term, I, I, it's going to be interesting. I mean, my hope is that a bit like, you know, a bit like hum, or human cultures generally, I love the fact that I go to different countries and they're not the same. So I, I love all of that. And, and I think that difference is the color that makes us interesting. So I'd like to keep the color and the insight and the traditions that we've developed in the past, but with an understanding of our commonality, which transcends it so that it's, we have the best of both worlds. That's what I'm hoping is going to happen. And, and the key with it to me is one of the two things. One is the, that what you're pointing to is the, the way that it's become about the individual. So for me, the, the, the cutting edge of the whole evolutionary process has been the fact that we've individuated. And what gets me from my study of history is just how significant that's been and how recent, really, that has been. And then from that, I, I, I hope that we're going to move from being individuals to what I call univigils which is the idea of an individual who's conscious of unity. So we were unconsciously in the herd by and large. We're now becoming conscious of ourselves as individuals. We, and that's true socially, but it's also true in spirituality. Oh, I'm a this. I grew up a Muslim. I'm a Muslim. I grew up a Catholic. I'm a Catholic, all of that. Now significant numbers of people are going, well, it doesn't matter how you grew up. What matters is what do you think as you, and then people become individuals. Then from that, if that leads to the sense of unity, and if what I'm saying is right, the, the, the individual isn't the problem, it's actually the thing that allows it to happen, then we become individuals who have a sense of unity, individuals. And, and then it's like, oh, okay, I'm, an in, I'm a individual who comes through Catholicism. Well, maybe I'll continue with that, maybe I won't, but it will transform it. And that's my hope that we become these, that we move from an individualism to individualism and, uh, and that that will impact everything. Uh -huh. Well, one thing that I think is going to impact or it's impacting already, but it will be deeper impact as time goes by is the fact that uh, uh, as individuals related to religions, whether we are very attached to them or not, uh, the, the stories that we've been told especially like Mary Magdalene, you know, even though uh, she was uh, asked for uh, forgiveness from the church in, I think, 1969. Um, if you talk to the common of people and you ask them about Mary Magdalene, they still think that she's a prostitute. I mean, it has so been ingrained in people's mentalities uh, for th thousands of years that this story was manipulated and wrongly uh, passed on and uh, so change in in people's mentality it uh, is going to take a while because most of them are not accepting the new stories that come from the uh, ap apocryph um, the gospels apocry uh, apocryphos the apocryph how do you say it in english apocryphal gospels exactly apocryphal. yeah exactly so the, these gospels they are not uh, accepted as originals or are, are part of the true story that, that was lived. Um, and so I would like to ask you about, you know, um, how much we can trust the story that we were told and how much 
we can be open because I think uh, who maybe JJ Benitez that went back in, in, in like time travel or whatever, but who of us can say that we can remember exactly what happened those days and know closely the story of Mary Magdalene and Jesus. And, and, and so um, how can we open up to change our mentality and accept these new stories? And how can we trust if one was wrong and new have come, uh, how can we know they were real and for, that they were for real? These are fantastic questions. We're really, really deep questions. So, so the first thing is relates back to what we were saying previously, which is, you know, you know I know I have personal um, friends, people who are involved with my work who have really left religion behind, especially Christianity. And like, and um, I've done a lot of work with Christianity. And so a lot of people look to me for that and have come because I offer a different vision of what Christianity was actually about. But I also have, you know, I also went to Ireland uh, recently and um, led a, a retreat for all Catholics, run by a Catholic priests who come to my events, and they were so awake, it was wonderful. And they, they had made the choice not to leave it behind, but to change it from within. So I think, I think um, there will be both those things will go on. Some people like me will go, I'm not interested in staying in that, I wanna create something new. Other people will be like, no, I want to create something new out of the old, and there's room for both of those. And then with your thing with the story, well, um, I don't know if you know my, probably from what you said, you probably, sounds like you probably don't know my, my book, The Jesus Mysteries. Uh, okay, so, so my, of all my books, the one that caused the biggest fuss and which um, was a bona fide international bestseller and got banned in Korea and all sorts, um, uh, was a book on the origins of Christianity. So I have a very particular insight around that to do with my study of history. And I'm very happy to explore that with you, but it's a very, it's quite a radical thesis about what Christianity was about. And my, but, but, you know, we can, and I'm certainly happy to do that. But the, 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 un, the underlying question that you were asking was, how, how do we let go of the new stories and the old stories and let in the new ones? And my feeling is the key thing we need to develop is compassionate, critical thinking so that we're developing on we're developing the open openness of connection what people call the heart that connective thing which transcends thought actually which is anyone can do it right now and then also we develop the ability to question ourselves and question others in a constructive but deep way to open things to doubt and then we look for what is the most reasonable what is the you know if you've got different ideas then you that one makes more sense right now. Is it the truth? Probably not, but it's the best we've got right now. And then next someone will come up with something better. Then you go, oh, that's better. And I've lived my whole life like that, which is why, I mean, I just made a video. I hadn't done this before. I literally just made a video saying, oh, I've written 35 books and this is why they were wrong. And drew on one key idea, which I, I think is wrong. And, and I wish more people would do that. Just go, look, we're evolving. You know, part of evolving is constantly recognizing how wrong you've been. It's like, oh, that, because then you get something new. So that's what I think needs to happen. That's what I try and do individually and what I think uh, we need to do collectively. So we never arrive and it's like, well, there we are, but it's the best we've got so far. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and yeah, I, I ask you this because it's amazing how uh, the power of, of religion, not only, you know, not only the monotheistic religions, but, you know, uh, Buddhism and Hinduism and, and uh, paganism, the power they have to shape people's view of life or people's yes. mentality and uh, also the way like why cannot we we have not been taught in our lifetimes the way in western world at least and i believe also this is a worldly thing from that time in life the time in in, in, in cosmo, cosmic history that we are living we were completely disconnected from our inner selves and probably our journey in this era has been to reconnect and to uh, start accessing in a more truer base um, the intuition, the our part of our subtle self. Like for instance, and you were mentioning something about movies and uh, you know why Star Wars and why Lord of the Rings impact so many people and beyond the storyline of war or, or that is behind them. There is so much spirituality in it. Like for me, Yoda was my first visual teacher when I was a teenager. Uh, though I've been reading Krishnamurti and I was reading Carlos Castaneda and I was reading Ling Yutan and all these uh, philosophers. My first visual teacher coming from uh, uh, where I come from was Master Yoda. And for me, <laughs> the teachings of Yoda, you know, this is when I, I, I want to appeal to, to, to try to make sense and, and relate to your experience. Me, uh, when I heard Yoda's teachings in uh, the Dagova system to Luke Skywalker, I knew I was a teenager, but I knew they were true. I, I knew deep inside of me, that is true. But how do I get there? I mean, it's my life, all my lifetime so far, it's about making sense of how do I know that is true and how do I get there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so working on myself uh, uh, in so many ways to, uh, I don't know if it's about maturing spirituality or maturing personally or both, to realize that those teachings were true. The same for like when I listen to Gandalf and I listen to the, uh, uh, all, the, all those uh, the beings and the, the elf, uh, I don't, forgot his name, Legolas, and how, you know, they just know and they trust their feelings. And they, he touches the earth, Aragorn touches the earth and knows that the, the goblins or the whatever are like a couple miles away. I know that's possible and I know that's true. I just don't know how to get there. But how can we know something that it is true? Where does it come from? I mean, how can we know that truth and not know how to be that? Well, I think there's, there's a couple of things which, which I want to offer back to, for, for all of that. Um, that, that that sounds almost contradictory, but they're not. One is, I think, my experience has been that, that around death is that um, the the psyche continues, the soul continues, um, and so I am very open to the idea that we live more than one life, and my experience so far has 
gone with that. Um, so I think each one of us has a deeper part of the psyche of the soul that we touch, which we feel as intuition, which um, is a repository of, of knowing. And I think it's a part which is in touch with the most emergent level of the universe, the most, um, the, the oneness, call it God or whatever name you gave it, this universal being. Um, and, and, and we have that. It's a great source of intuition. So those things, are the, they're, they're like they, we each have that, what, what Socrates called the daemon, the voice that speaks to you. The, the idea of the conscience was that, with knowledge, conscientes, with not, you know, that you've got knowledge. It's with the, so it's the, so the, that's, I think, the source that we've got now. But the thing I want to add to it is a both and again, Gloria. It's like, yes, and we also have this faculty to reason. And we need to, we need to also engage with that because when I look back now, um, I've had, you know, th th there's, there's intuitions which are still, which I had when I was young that stayed the same. And there's intuitions which change quite considerably. You know, you'd spoken to me when I was 18 or seven, or whenever I was, and I was involved with a kind of Hindu guru cult. I'd have told you my guru was the Lord of the universe. And it was completely obvious to me and that I should surrender at his lotus feet and, um, and, um, and give him all my money. And now not so much. And it feels like, no, I don't feel that at all now. And I'm very pleased that I got myself out of that because I learned a lot that came out. So even those deep intuitions are up for grabs. So my overall sense is this, we are evolving. This is where I've ended up. You asked this, this is the really deep answer to the question you started with when you said, where's it led you? Where it's led me to is this, the big insight a hundred years ago in science ironically it was a catholic priest who came up with it is that the universe is not a thing it's a process that everything is evolving the whole universe has evolved and everything we know seems to point to this to this being correct was so that had, part of chardin no it was a guy it was um georges lemaitre who georges lemaitre uh, French. The, yeah. Um, and he came up with this idea that the, became the Big Bang, this idea, the cosmic egg, huh. that everything. And, and now we look at this and, and, and it does seem that 14 billion years ago, there was nothing much but hydrogen and a bit of helium. And here we are now, and it's become you and me having this conversation. Now, that's a hell of a thing, isn't it? That's like, wow, wow. From, from a gas to us having a conversation, not just with bodies, not just alive, but conscious. Not only has the universe become conscious of itself so it can look at itself, it's also learned how to think about itself. So now, as you and me, and you can say we have a commonality here, that from a very young age, obviously, through us, the universe has gone, what the hell am I then? <laughs> we, we are the universe trying to work out what it is. What else could we be? Uh -huh. That's what we are. So in that process, it's not that we had something we lost. It's that we're evolving into something we've never had. In the past, very few people had these little moments where they would touch this deeper thing and it became a really important. It gave birth to religions and all those things. But that, that was just, they were just like, um, you know, the precursors of it. Now what's happening is that more and more of us are getting that. Still small, but more, significantly more. And that it, there's an evolutionary current. So it's not about 
getting back something we lost some big, you know, it's like, Oh, we never, why, why have we, it's actually learning it for the first time. And we are the universe. We are the one. What else could we be in this process of discovering itself on all of these new levels? And as we do that, we bring in new qualities. So a quality like unconditional love, it's in such short supply because it's really new. Yes. You know, anger has been around for a while. Fear, long while. You know, you can go back into the animal world. There's plenty of anger. There's plenty of fear. There's not plenty of unconditional love. But now we're bringing through these justice, love, or the, and, 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 the, and the, the new spirituality that we need needs to be evolutionary. Not to do with the fall into illusion, but rather the awakening from illusion through the evolutionary process. So uh, would, you believe, would you think that um, what life is about for us reincarnating in this lifetime, in this era, is to pass from knowledge into wisdom? That yeah, I mean, you, you awakening mean, to wisdom and like knowledge. We all have the knowledge. I mean, I read your book and I have the knowledge, but the wisdom comes from, from the experience. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I understand how you're using the words and in that, in the way that you're, 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 in the way you're talking of knowledge. And I think that's, that's right. I think we're constantly looking for that's the as when i'm when i when i do philosophy i'm always looking for that it's like don't think these are abstract ideas none of them are when i say we've been evolving for 14 billion years that can be mm, i see interesting or that can be oh my god <laughs> and then you get that you are that and then you look at the moment and you see hang on it's doing it now every moment is becoming new it's becoming new it's becoming we're in a process in which there's a new things have been emerging for 14 billion years and it's happening now. And in fact, now what's happening is that nothing much is changing physically, although it is, but just very slowly, nothing much is changing biologically, although it is less slowly, but on the level of the psyche where we're having this conversation, it's changing like mad. We're evolving as we speak, <laughs> aren't we? You are saying things to me. I'm going, oh, I'm saying things to you. We're evolving as souls right now. Yes. And that's happening all the time. And then you see this huge, like a flowering of the universe into something transcendent. And we are, we are that, I think. Like, like um, you know, that, you know, in different traditions, whether it's like the Wakantanka or the indigenous mm -hmm. traditions or the Greeks or the Hindus, they have these beliefs about the yugas, about the ages right? Mm -hmm. Like we go in cycles in the ages and, and right now, the, uh, you know, from the astrological point of view, we're going from Pisces to the Aquarian age. We are in the, the middle of the transitions, which I believe intuitively that are the most powerful times to be part of because they allow us the, the greatest opportunity for growth because we have to change completely uh, everything. And so, yeah. um, Has this happened before? Do you have a feeling about what's going on right now? Um, I, I don't, I don't, I think the, the idea of the, I mean, certainly uh, there are chapters and you can see them as ages and the astrological model, which we've had in the West is so old, it's kind of ingrained in us. And I, and I think it, I can get it. I don't dismiss it. But I also think that they've arisen at a certain time in human evolution And they're all that they were well, certainly the hint, the, the Eastern versions 
are very much to do with the idea that well, no, the West too. You know, there was a golden age, and then it fell into the silver age, and then it fell into the bronze. So it's all about the fall. It's about it's the same myth as in as in the the Genesis. You know, we, there was the Garden of Eden, and now we've all fallen from it. Or God had a dream, and then he got lost in it. Or it, they're all. We went through a period, understandably for me, of having a very negative view. So our spirituality was very negative. There's many reasons for that. One. Up until very recently, life was an incredibly unpleasant experience a lot of the time. Most of your kids would die. You would probably die young. If you had toothache, there's nothing you could do about it. I mean, it's, it's hard to get your head around the level. Everyone was poor. Everyone. You know, and, and, and so not surprisingly, people thought this was the devil's place. You know, it wasn't a good place to be. You were in hell. And so let's get away from here and, and get to heaven. And if you go to the imagination, if you go to the world of images, the psyche, it can be heaven because you haven't got those constraints. And that was the vision. And also because I think people experienced, like I did when I was young, for a moment you're free. And then you come back and you feel like, oh, I've come back. Oh, I'm back. I just need to get free. What's in the way? Well, I'm in the way. And you look at yourself and you go, look, I'm imperfect. It must be my fault. And then it's just sins or your ego or now my feeling is, okay, it's all understandable. Uh, but I'm going to stick my neck out and say, it's also completely wrong. That actually what's been happening the whole time is a slow progression towards the good, that this is evolving into something better. And it has, and we've now got the foundation where we can get that. And we don't have to reject the human experience. We can embrace it now. And through it, we can transcend into this, into this grave of love. And that we haven't fallen from a golden age. We're heading towards it. Okay, so, so you would believe in a Darwinian type of evolution for our, our, our consciousness, our psyche. So it, it's like gradual going from, you know, like that Darwin uh, realized that it's a, an evolutionary process that starts from scratch and goes up high but what about the idea that there had been higher uh, evolved traditions before like you know from those who created uh, the pyramids or atlantean or lemurians uh, uh, what about that i don't think that's real mm -hmm. i think that's those are mythic fabrications um and when we go back into the actual history they fall to bits very interesting cultures I mean, amazing periods in, human, in the human story. But I think what we do is we, we, we want to find somebody that we can project on. So, you know, enlightened masters, we can project on them. They know they're perfect. Turns out they're pedophiles. You know, I mean, you, know, you know what I'm trying to say? You know, it's like nothing's what it seems. And the same with the ancient cultures or the, you know, the, the, the prehistory nomadic pastoralists. It was always beyond not us. Whereas actually I think what's been happening is, is we've been steadily evolving. It's not been linear and things go up and down and in and out, but it's not, it's not Darwinian exactly. What, what Darwin saw was that the, he had this incredible vision that all of life in its complexity had started from one simple source and become more complex. And then there's whole sorts of arguments about the mechanism for that. And he made suggestions, but in a sense, what that, that idea of all life has arisen and it's around me now, there's simple forms of life. And then there's the plants and, you know, there's the animals and then there's us. And you can see that, ah, this is, this is built. 
this is built from this. And then what happened 100 years ago with Georges Lemaitre and others was it's like, no, no, the whole universe has evolved. <laughs> Everything has evolved. Well, spiritual traditions have been talking about evolution for a long time, actually. And I think it's an essentially it's a spiritual idea, which is that the, the soul evolves. So what it's doing is it's bringing all of this together and going, look, there's one story here. There's a story which can embrace science and spirituality. So that the, the mechanism of natural selection, Darwin's things, that maybe probably is some part of what happens in the biological sphere. But it wasn't how the universe evolved because there was no gene, no you know, genes and no life and death. It's a whole different process. The creativity that created the stars is not the same as the creativity that created the animal world or the, the world of life. So my suggestion is that's led to the evolution of the psyche, this thing which we're experiencing now, which doesn't exist in space and isn't made of matter, the place where we're having all these ideas and meaning and dreams and visions, and that has arisen from it. And it's a new level of reality, just like life was a new level of reality, and it now exists. And it's a domain, and it's arisen steadily, and it can survive without the body. And the, the, so that if, 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 let's say, Darwin is right, ish around that, that life and death and natural selection is the mechanism for evolving species of animal that the the mechanism that's evolved from that is reincarnation because life and death is essential this is what darwin realized for the evolution of species because it means you throw up a new idea if it survives it does well if not next one and so to develop a strong species life and death is the best way to do that but of course it's terrible for evolving individuals because he just you know the individual's just dead and i think what's happened is that the immortality of the soul has evolved from that so that now we've evolved onto a level where the individual doesn't die because it's a it's a the, the evolution can continue and that's what's happening to us so that the very mechanisms of evolution are themselves evolving taking us as as the the universe the one evolves into something more okay so so what brings me to to the now is uh, a couple of ideas about who we are in relation to the cosmic energy uh, because we are just part of a cosmic dance it seems and we believe as humans maybe it's a, just an ego-centered idea that we are like whoa we are the the highest in the the chain us we're so wise we're so intelligent comparing to other species and life itself even the planet and um, you know i i have had this feeling that we are just puppets of the cosmic energy that we believe we have free will just because um our ego wants to believe that we can do whatever we want but we are actually responding to cosmic energies that we are not aware of consciously uh, that takes us through the ages, that takes us through the times where we have the possibilities. I do feel right now that we are immersed in a very intense age of transformation, that we are, are like being reborn like, like, like yeah, the Phoenix, uh, you know, from the ashes. We have that opportunity being reborn from ashes, like totally changing uh, and letting go, shedding all the, the conditioning 
that had made us co-create this reality that is very dysfunctional in, in many ways, because that's what we see in life around the planet. We see a lot of good things happening, but overall, you know, what would you mentioned before, like the uh, idea or, or massive idea of unconditional love uh, is it's sort of new be, uh, comparing to the idea of anger, which has been there for a long time. And so, I, I have a feeling that this idea that we have a free will, that we can do anything that we want, uh, is, is more connected to ignorance of who we truly are. And the more awakened we are, the more we know that we have to be in tune with that uh, cosmic uh, oneness or cosmic energy. That it's not that we can do whatever we want. We have to respond to those cosmic laws or, or to that, that cosmic energy to uh, bring that awareness into the oneness in our consciousness. So what's your thought about, you know, uh, about uh, free will and about this cosmic dance? Uh, these are great questions. Uh, so, so, yeah, I'm probably gonna need to say a few things, which are quite big things to, to answer that. Um, let's start with what you call the cosmic energy. Um, I mentioned the word God earlier on. Um, we can use whatever words, but a big shift for me in my understanding, which I'm really drawn to and exploring, is the idea with this evolutionary story that uh, it doesn't start with God. It's, it's, the God is not the source, it's the destination. And, um, and, and there's lots of reasons for that. I mean, one of the classic reasons is, you know, if you, put, if you put a great being of love at the beginning, it's very hard to understand why that great being of love has created so much suffering or all the evils in the world, blah, 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 all those things. Um, and also, you know, if you accept the evolutionary story, which does seem pretty strong to me now, then 250,000 years, a million years of, of, of uh, dinosaurs, like why, <laughs> why would you do that? This God's crazy. Um, however, what seems to me is that what I notice about the whole process that I'm in, in life, is that it goes from it, the evolutionary process goes from the simple to the more complex. So I didn't start like this. My body started like a fertilized egg and it wasn't there having thoughts. It was just an egg. And then the next thing, you know, it turned into this and then this, and then, and then it's here having this conversation with you. And my, my feeling for the universe is something similar is happening that the universe is flowering into the most emergent thing you can imagine, the greatest thing you can imagine, which is the universe conscious of itself. So that, so that rather than it starting with that, that's what it's becoming and that we are part of that becoming. So that um, there is a greater will than ours, which is emerging. Now, I do think we have free will. I think it's, it's something we have to work at because most of what we do is just conditioned by our past. So we have to work with that power of being able to be conscious enough to make choices. Um, but I do think we are, the creativity of the universe arises in us consciously it's like you know if i pick up that it's going to fall it has no choice the plants have got a little bit of choice you know they can move towards the sun and there is but i can choose i can i have this thing this imagination so i can imagine two possibilities and choose one of them and and i can choose one that i know is good or not i can go it's good for tim or i could go i know it's good for tim but this is still this is good in a greater way so i'm going to do what's not good for tim i can even do that so I have this choice. And then through that process of evolving, I am tuning into something greater than me, which is emerging. 
And so my feeling is when we wake up to oneness, when, when our individual souls commune with the oneness of everything, we are creating between us something greater than ourselves, which one of the traditional words would be God or this a benign spirit of the benign something the universe conscious of itself and and that that's what's arising as we do this and that then i i agree with you completely at that point then it's like ah so if i want to do if i want to truly live a good life i need to try and harmonize my choices with this greater goodness and serve it in every way that i can and then that becomes my choice to do that as best as I can. So what would happen in this process of becoming, the universe becoming conscious of itself, once the universe has fully become conscious, what then is like the big bang and the big crunch, are we, uh, once it's become fully conscious and we are all conscious, uh, do we sort of become like a Shambhala kind of thing or do, or do we, I mean, this is only speculative because probably we don't know, but <laughs> we, can, we can talk about it intuitively. I mean, what happens next? Is there going to be like a, another cycle of uh, the Big Bang or the Big Crunch or, or you know, the nothing and the everything and uh, the Tao, uh, the Wuji and the Tai Chi? It's sort of like a thing. What, what, what's your hunch on that? Uh, well, I think the, my hunch is I don't know. Um, and, and, and actually, I feel that is the right answer because what I, what I feel with, it's, it's a bit like, you know, when you sit with a dog or, you know, and they're looking at you like, and you're having a conversation and you, you know, they haven't got a clue what you're talking about, but they're, they're kind of intrigued and they want, and I feel like that with God or, 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 or maybe like, um, like, you know, like it, I feel like God is made of us. It's the communion of, it's, it's made of the communion of souls. So in Christian tradition, there's a communion of souls around God. And I'm suggesting it's not around God, it is God. And, and I feel a bit like, look, my body is a communion of cells, but this cell in my finger has got no idea what it's like to be Tim. And I feel like that with God. I it's so beyond me. But what I do know is what it's like to commune in God. And that is this blissful oneness uh -huh. this that's the this this enormous love so that's as far as i can go because beyond that there's something which is greater you know great just greater than me and and so where that leads i i have no idea so this brings me to uh like how we were you know how we were taught to be separated from god i mean god is that and we're here we're yeah. nothing to do with God, and very. Yeah. And I don't. I, I think that's very uh, in the monotheistic religions. I, I'm not sure about the pagan religions, uh, but like this idea that everybody thinks of Jesus as God. I mean, when you talk about somebody and and you talk about Jesus with most uh, believers, they think that is God. He's the Son of God. He he's the Son of God. We're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This feeling that um, there's a separate this yeah, separateness. Yeah. I mean. Uh, and that's why probably they had to put Jesus Christ in a pedestal and to make it very dif distinct from a normal human being, where, which he probably was. And he was also enlightened, awakened. He became very pure, whatever happened in his history that we can uh, feel 
and think about it intuitively or whatever based on things that there are but this idea that uh, god is unreachable directly from us we have to go through some being or or because this sense of, of believing that uh, jesus is is the son of god and we're not is so for me it's so unreal i mean so uh so castrating in, in in a sense of of who who what we are in this cosmic dance absolutely right and so uh, what what is your uh, vision or, or what would you tell when you go to ireland and, and you're in group with catholics and what do you tell them about this about jesus or about the, I mean, these are these are there's a god these are so these there's so much that you bring up um so um um my my feeling with this the vision that i'm interested in uh, i think our everything is evolving everything especially our understanding you know so the idea of god has evolved so you've got um the idea that of, of a deity outside creating it and kind of then stepping in and out and again to reward or punish and all of that sort of thing. And we've grown up from that. But the thing, the thing with human beings is they can, we said this right at the beginning, they can only think with the ideas they have. That's all they can do. Any of us. So if you have the awakening in China, you're going to have come up with those Chinese ideas. If you have it in India, it'll be the Indian ideas, except for now we have all of them. We, we have a new eclectic cosmopolitan place. So we can have this conversation, which none of our ancestors could possibly have had. I mean, obviously, because we're in different countries, you know, but that's a great symbol for the different cultures all being able to meet. So that's huge. And, and so my feeling is, look, God, you talk about the pagan world. The first thing that human beings do is they try and work out how the universe is working. And they've got what ideas do they have to think with? They have the animals to think with. So they think and they have their human relationships. So the deities are like kings or animals or parents or the, the that's what they have to think with so you have eventually in in our tradition in the west you know we have a father and he's a is he a kind father yes but he's also a judgmental father you know he's, he's a father you know <laughs> don't cross him <laughs> and all of that and he lays down the rules and and that's so we're thinking with what we've got but as we've evolved further we can now think in new ways so we can now have a different idea. And the idea that I'm putting across with, with the idea of God, um, although I am troubled sometimes by the word because it's so misleading, is, is that this is the body of God. This is, this is it. And it, God is not separate from this. God, the universe is flowering into God. We are it. Everything is it. But it's it in a process, like the process of Tim, but on a cosmic level. And we're coming into that. Now, what interests me when I talk with Christians is, and this is a, you know, a whole big another subject, which is my, my theories on Christianity, but I'm very interested by the Gnostic Christians. And for the Gnostic Christians, the whole thing is a myth. The whole story is a myth about awakening. So if you can approach it in that way, you, you, it, it, the whole point is 
you the whole as paul says it's about discovering the christ in you it's all about discovering the christ in you and what is the christ in you it's the atman in you or the buddha nature in you or the nous in you it's the common oneness within you and the whole purpose of the whole myth is to lead you to that and once you see that then you don't get bogged down in in all of the uh, other stuff that so it, it, it's been this, this, this story that we've been told is a myth. So did Jesus really exist or is no. it a myth? No. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I, having gone into it in very, very, very deeply for a very long time, no, I would say there's no evidence that there was a, a, a person called Jesus. What there is evidence for is that there's a, a commonality of myths right the whole of the ancient world around figures like mithras and adonis and really? serapis and osiris and that they're all dying and resurrecting deities or sons of god and that what we have in the jewish culture is joshua which becomes in greek jesus who is another version um and the original christians absolutely knew that they they knew that i think the gnostic christians who were later persecuted by the roman catholic the roman church um uh that literally out of you know went underground but pretty much out of existence uh, before that happened before the roman empire took up the the religion the vast majority of people were gnostic christians and they absolutely knew that and if you go back to their texts they're very clear about it it's a cosmic myth it's an allegorical myth which is about you waking up to what they called the gnosis the knowledge the no, the mystical knowing the wisdom i think would be the word you would use now so it's that that's what they're looking for and you get that by discovering the christ in you and figures like mary magdalene and jesus these are all archetypes. mary magdalene the two marys these are sophia um, in, in the for the gnostics they have a they have a goddess as well as a, so they have a mother as well as a father and they have a daughter as well as a son so the daughter and the the daughter and the mother are sophia whose name means wisdom so there's a higher wisdom and lower wisdom she has other names too and they are basically um they are basically jewish versions of demeter and persephone and they're the soul that falls into the underground and so the two marys the virgin mary and the and the fallen and redeemed mary are the two aspects of the goddess so that's the mother father dynamic which accompanies the the father son dynamic and suddenly you're in a completely different world with it because you just realize oh this is this is very old and very profound mythology um it's more like the star wars of its day it is you know yeah. and it and and it's imagine star wars where in a, a thousand years time or two thousand years per time people are going what there was no yoda what are you saying <laughs> it's like no there was no yoda that's the point oh so it's all rubbish then no no it's still as good as it was yeah. it's just not it just didn't happen it was a film you know? and it's like that well what what matters is not that yoda existed or not but that the teachings are yeah. the the teachings, uh, are the wisdom that was shared uh, is pointing us to where we need to focus. But yes. this is very profound and amazing that obviously we, we need a couple hours more for, <laughs> but maybe, maybe we will do it uh, when we are able to just focus on one topic because, I mean, this is very, very uh, profound. And I was... Um, I, I was asking... An, um, um, the editorials for, for books. Why is it that there are so many writers that uh, write about uh, questioning, you know, Christianity and its origins and so many things and, and like, 
like you, like Kathleen McGowan, maybe so many others that want to bring the new things and they only allow them to write through fiction, through novels, not directly. And I said, this is not the time for that anymore. I mean, it has to, to be part uh, uh, as much as the myths were part, these possibilities of the gospels of Philip where he says that Jesus kissed uh, uh, often Mary Magdalene and, uh, and uh, all those things that they mention. Um, they have to be open there, but it, you see, what I feel is that when, once they are allowed to be part of the, the stories that we have around, uh, the power of the church is going to fall and they don't want to let go of that power because I mean, it's been useful for them. But the church in that way has to just become a vehicle and not be as powerful as it has been historically because it's been very damaging for people. To sure, I, I think so too. And you know, it's a very dark history. Uh, obviously, there's been many, many good people in it, and there's many, many good people in it now. But there's no doubt about it; it has had a very, very dark, dark, dark history. Very dark. Um, and it is. It is also amazing to me, isn't it, that you'd think that anyone who was interested in Christianity would jump on the Gnostic Gospels and go, "What are these then?" But half of them don't even know they exist. And they're a funny mixed bag, you know, because early Christianity was not what you think it was at all. It was a, there were hundreds of different groups all practicing different things. Some of them were into free love. Some of them were very aesthetic. Some of them, you know, but this so-called Gnostic current was, was a bit like the New Age now. It's like, what is it? Well, there's hundreds of things. Some of it's complete rubbish. Some of it's brilliant. And yeah. that was the same then. Why? Because like you said, it was a transition into the age of, um, of Pisces. And we were, and it was all, all of these changes were happening. And this amazing Gnostic current was really the flowering of something that had been developing in the pagan world for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years and was widespread, which is why if you go to the texts of the time, what's fascinating is that the, the, the earliest texts from the pagans, when they're criticizing Christianity, they're criticizing it because they're just going, well, you're just repeating our stories. You know, there's nothing new in this. And the reply develops at a certain point in, um, in Gaul, France, and Rome, and places like that. You see about, in the second century, you first start hearing people going, oh no, but our story's different because this guy actually came. And that's when you have this new idea. Oh, this is history, not mythology. And that idea will take off and we'll have it for 2,000 years. Now, this is the point that maybe, finally, we are arriving to the original topic that I proposed. <laughs> like, okay, wow. so finally, like, we create these belief systems based on whatever history has been before, how we have developed those ideas, uh, whether based on some reality, reality or not. But they have shaped our world totally. I mean, the way we, uh, we have seen Christianity uh, influence the, the belief systems and the reality that I've created in regards to um, female energy, like, you know, femininity or the uh, divine feminine energy or the divine masculine. Yeah. The patriarchal systems that we've lived in where women have been completely isolated and pushed down and everything. It, they all respond to 
I don't know if it's part of the cosmic dance that is saying now you're going to experience the patriarchal macho energy in this world and see what it, it can bring. And so we have to uh, completely bring down all the feminine energy. And what I see in history happening now, like it's, it's taken a while for women to, uh, which, you know, represents sort of the feminine energy in the, in the cosmic dance. But coming to their own power. And what we are seeing now is that the energy are sort of coming to an equilibrium. It will take a while for it to be completely established and regarded both as the same power. Uh, but our belief system, that's my question, have been based on something that is uh, not the essential truth. It's, it's sort of part of a reality, part of a level of truth, but you know, it's not based on the, the, the essence of the power of, of the energies in essence. So our belief systems have co-created this world and this world is bringing, showing us back, reflecting us back how dysfunctional most of what we have created in this world has been. And, and so now, the, uh, there are many questions about this, but one of the questions would be, how can we align with uh, a purer truth to live life in a so way I, that- I, I see it just all as evolving, you know, so, so you know, we, the, I don't think there's any, there's any great cosmic plan going on here. I think, I think pe people, human beings are doing their best in difficult circumstances. And if you're living in a world where, um, uh, you've developed nations or tribes who will the easiest way to survive is to steal from each other then you're going to need people who can fight and men are better at fighting so that that will become the dominant thing in any society for a while as that's diminished now that's changing because we don't need that anymore and so it's like ah okay so i i see these things as kind of much more organic and 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 we're looking for the deepest truth you know, he, he, they thought very things we don't think, you know, like Plato was a very smart guy, but he thought the brain was a cooling system for the blood. Turns out it's not, you know, it's like, but that was the, you know, they, they, he was a groundbreaker. Um, Newton had ideas, which would, since Einstein, we know are not right, but wow, what a great guy. And so on and so on and so on. So I see it all as, and so our job is to push and to, to find find the deeper truth for the first time not that someone once knew it and we lost it but nobody's ever known it we have to find it we have to find how to think about it. we are the universe finding it we are the universe going what am i and why do i exist and 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 by the by the way in which we approach that and then if like i said we we tune into the more transcendent aspects then we can do that in the most in in the most transcendent way that's so it becomes a it's an evolutionary process you asked me something else as well which was fascinating in there and i forgot what it is damn it because there was something else which really struck me in, in, in what you said but it, i think it's gone so we'll have to do with that yeah that we're moving that it's that we're actually kind of we're moving towards it and we are it we are it and and the the, the things which have happened in the past oh i know what it was yeah it was through the gnostics I and mean, you enjoy oh. the gnostics so i'm going to come back to the gnostics so one of, when, when I was studying the Gnostics and mythology, this is about 20 years ago, 25 years ago. 
what I saw, what I saw was that there was a commonality, quite quite common in mythology between about the male and the female, and that was that the, the the male was the was the was being. It was the source. It was the emptiness, the mystery, and the feminine was all the forms, all the colors. So so who is the goddess? Everything, all of this, the whole universe. You know, in for the Egyptians, it was knew it. The night sky, and and she was she contained within her everything. So she's every taste, every flavor, every color, every sensation. That's the psyche. That's the that's the that's the goddess. And then, what do you see through the holes in the little where the light comes through in the night sky? That's that's God. God. That's the thing which is beyond. That's the transcendent. That's the thing that has no form. So there's the form, and in my view, that would be the being, and then the becoming. The changing and and what we've seen is that the spiritual when i criticize spirituality in the past and i say we need to move on it's because it's been very much towards the transcendent go back to the thing which is get out of the cave get back to the the light whereas what we've done actually now is we've actually engaged with the forms and science was the big thing that's done that it's gone hang on let's stop believing just what's written in books Let's actually look at Mother Nature. Let her teach us, and then from that we've now got the internet. <laughs> it's like everything—you know—everything we, we, has changed, and life is so much better for us, and there's much less suffering, and we're richer, and life is more opulent, and we can stop and think a lot more. And wow! And alongside that has become, has come very quickly, for the first time possibly ever, certainly for thousands of years, a revaluation of the role of women, and suddenly the idea of embodiment of the sensual world not being the enemy but being something to celebrate has started to emerge and come in and that feels really all part of this movement this one movement that's happening which is i think as you say a rebalancing from one from a from a view of life which is about getting away to one which is about entering in it's amazing because you know the energy, if we can tap into the energy, just if we can learn to tap into the energy that's around us, we can really know uh, how to flow or navigate through this time and, and open up and connect to the deeper, deeper truths. Um, there's, a, you know, as you said, uh, everybody is going through their own individual process and maybe those who have the experiences as you have had, have come to help be a light, uh, you know, a lighthouse for other people to, who are starting their awakening process because it's like, you know, the, the waves that, you know, they, they come and go and, and everybody's running in the wave in a different pace or a different kind of wave, but the, there's always the lighthouse that can help whoever's anywhere to, to sort of know which direction to go. And I, I think this is, these are blessings that people receive in life to be able to, to become a lighthouse. And I think you're one of those, definitely. And that's, that's a blessing and it's great to have you because you're, bringing, you're breaking through your philosophy and your beliefs and your, the way you have uh, used your um, mental process uh, on, with the information that you've got to break all the things that have gotten us stuck into certain belief systems, like even spirituality. 
um, that we need to break everything apart if we are going to become like the phoenix and, mm. and become new. We, the, yeah. we, I think this world is asking desperately for something new. Yes. Because yes. what we've been given, we are up to here of yeah. all the corruption, of all the evilness, the darkness. We need not only the light, but to understand that we are becoming uni, uni individuals and that yeah. we need to, to start living from uh, knowing that we affect each other. And I, when you mentioned the animals, I must say, you know, I've been surrounded by my dogs and just recently a cat that adopted me. And I have seen... Um, I have seen how even the animals are evolving. Yes, without they doubt. Are, they, their level of understanding of our connection is yeah. much higher from when I had dogs. It, I know it's, it has to do a lot with how much I, I've evolved, but I can see their, their way they behave and how they understand what I say uh, more now than before. So I think everything is evolving in a way, Everything. one way or the other. That, that I'd say if there's one key idea in terms of an idea, which has informed my understanding of everything and spirituality and what awakening is, is that what if everything is evolving? What if, what if this process we're in is a process in which ever greater potentials are being realized based on what's gone before? That's what it is. It's the realization of potentiality in ever more emergent ways. And it started with the very simplest of things and it's heading always towards the more emergent. And we are that. So are the cats and everything is that. And that's how we've made this incredible journey. And then the interesting thing is you look at culture and I, I mean, I resonate with you. I think there's a whole lot of people that are like, no, we've got to move on now. But the truth is things have never been better. So what's happened is that our expectations have gone right up. Hurrah. We now, it's like, yeah, actually the world is, there's more connected, less suffering, kinder, more, more awake. It's less poverty you know, on every count you can measure. It's like through the roof better. And through that we're going, Oh, well, let's make it really better. Let's actually, let's, let's really, you know, let's not settle for this. Let's go for that. And that I think is what this transition, you know, of an age is all about. And yeah. it's how we facilitate that. And the thing which motivates me as much as, you know, as I can to try and contribute what I can while I'm here is it feels like the key to making that happen is going to be a 21st century spirituality. That's going to be the key. It's like Pierre de Chardin Chard said, you know, when we discover the power of love, it will be like we've discovered this power of fire again. It's such a powerful thing. So how can we do that without it sounding like woo-woo? Well, we need it. We need it to be experiential. We need people to get it, but we also need it to be intellectually smart. We need to speak to the head and the heart. And if we're going to do that, it needs to be what I call trans-scientific. It needs to take all of the advances of science and then add this on the top not to be at war with it because the scientific thing has been so good we now but it's missed out this and we need to come back to it and go wow brilliant god how did you understand all of that that's wonderful this fits with it actually and if we can see it as one thing then i think there'll be as big a shift i don't know if it'll be in my lifetime but they'll soon it will be as big a shift as there was when the scientific revolution happened and I think, you know, if you could take someone from 400 years ago and show them us 
on the internet talking in completely different time zones, it would be unbelievable. But human beings did that. And we can do the next thing too. We just need the ideas with which to think. Yes, definitely. I mean, you, you've said something. I hope we come back on those in, in our next lifetime to see the effects of what we have planted. Or shall, we shall, have... We, shall we book in a podcast now that we, in the, for the next lifetime so we can come back and, and go, well, what do you think? Did it work out? <laughs> yeah, we have to do that. We have, to, <laughs> we have another interview before next lifetime. But to tell you the truth, I do believe that uh, we are the seeds of, of, uh, of uh, the new consciousness. And we, as, we have to do as much as we can to uh, bring and anchor the new ways of thinking that the transitions take uh, centuries to happen. But yeah. uh, we are the ones that are putting the seeds. And, and so I, I hope that uh, this transition, I, I believe is just amazing. And I'm very thankful for the quarantine because it's giving me the most stimulus for, you know, connecting with people like you or, or for, I've been working more in quarantine than I was before because I just had to follow the energy. I had to just follow wherever it was taking me, no matter what that meant, but I had to do it. And so I believe that uh, even 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 if the virus was fabricated in a laboratory, there are many good things of why that happened uh, in spite of all the things that ha are, are still happening. Uh, There's always now. good, isn't there? There's always good to be found. There's even always the, even in the most terrible thing, there is always some good to be found. And Yes. But, so so, so maybe, I, maybe I can just mention, because it may be interesting to you and it may be interesting to people who are listening to this. So one of the ways that I'm trying to do this, I'm trying to develop the individualism as a, as a philosophy, which can bring science and spirituality together. That's the kind of intellectual side. Then these practices, which are to do with connection and they, you know, we're doing those online as well as in person now. Um, and then also community. So last year I thought, okay, I've got to stop being so on my own. So I've, I, I started, it's a very small group of lovely people, explorers called the International Community of Unividuals which of course shortens to the ICU, which I quite like. And um, so, cause that's what it's about, it's about seeing each other. So I, I now have, have tried to, to start gathering people together and going, if you get this, if you realize that we're evolving onto this next level, um, let's support each other. Let's just thinking clearer, being more open-hearted uh, and, and bringing and nurturing the connection. Please tell us about it. How do you do it? I mean, if it's international and, and using the technology that we have now, how are you coming about the unit? Unit, uh, unit individuals. Exactly. Individuals. Yes. And, and um, we are. We meet up um, uh, once a week on a Sunday at seven o'clock the UK time. So it's um, earlier in America. We have people joining us literally. I mean, it's a very small little group because it's people who are really sort of drawn to this. But what I love about it is the diversity. So we have men and women and young and old and literally all over the world. So it will not be uncommon to have someone in South America, someone in, you know, three few people in North America, Europe, uh, the UK, Australia, maybe Japan. I have a Jap Japanese group as well. Um, uh, and it's, it's in English. We do that. We do it in English. And thank you, by the way, for doing this in English. I appreciate that. Um, and 
we we when I when I every week we do something different. So some weeks will be ideas, what I call wisdom meetups, where I'll just share ideas and we'll discuss them and go off into rooms and discuss them together. And then we'll do awakening meetups where I'll lead meditations and connection practices, so that we can connect really deeply and feel the effect that that has on our consciousness. Um, and community meetups, all sorts of things. But how, how do you do it? I mean, you do it like through Zoom or some sort? Yeah, through Zoom, through Zoom. Okay, okay. so where can people have access to this information? So the place to go for information about me generally is uh, my website. Uh, so if you look for Tim Freak and you spell it, it's a crazy name, and if you spell it right, F-R-E-K-E, um, then you, uh, you know, I know. Well, that's, how it sounds. You? that's how it sounds, your last name, Freak. It's pronounced freak. Yeah. Yeah. What can you do? I made it through school with a name like freak. What can you do? Yeah. I know. Crazy. It is actually pronounced freak and it's written F R E K E. Um, but if you Google me, Tim freak, you'll find me. There's not many, not many, not many of us. Um, and then on my website, there's a whole lot of free videos. There's all my books. There's all of that. Um, but there's also um, a link for the ICU, the community online community. And if you go there, um, you can see how to join. You can join. Um, you know, just try it out for a month, completely free. Just come and come along, see what you think. We have a community Facebook page and we, you know, we join and support each other. And, and the conversation goes deep because as you meet up every week by week, so, so the questions can really start going well, deep. Well, this is amazing that uh, I, I get you so much when you said, okay, it's not just anymore, or just about me, but about the community. And, and I yeah. think that what you've done and what you're doing is just very amazing and right on for what it's needed now. So uh, I'm going to look into it uh, Great. and I'm, I'm very excited about it. And um, I just want to thank you so much and, and show you my respect, my admiration and my gratitude for having access to, to having agreed to have this conversation and uh, to bring whoever touches different places differently. Uh, I am so grateful, Tim, for, for this conversation. I know there's so much that is left behind that, but uh, you know, uh, there'll be more times and I'm gonna look into that and, and for sure um, continue with this amazing journey uh, next by yourself next uh, to you because uh, I do connect uh, completely with all that you've shared today and I, I feel exactly uh, a lot and I know there's a lot more to, un to understand to learn to awaken to so this is so amazing I'm so grateful that you're uh, we're sharing this lifetime <laughs> Well, really? it's been a real joy. I love connecting with you and thank you for the, for the invite. And aren't we so precious? It's such a precious opportunity that we can connect like this. Yes. And, definitely. you know, and, I, and I'm immensely, immensely grateful. And then through our conversation, hopefully we can connect with a whole load of other people who I hope have enjoyed this as well. And that's a wonderful thing. Definitely. Thank you so much. And my regards to Debbie. Uh, thank you. And, and to, to new connections coming yeah. in the future. I appreciate you so much, Tim, and have a great day. Thank you for your time. And I hope everybody who listens to this really connects to it and joins you as well in your project. Wonderful. All right, lots of love. Big love. Thank you, the same. Have a great day. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>